Welcome to Baraza Sessions, where we have vital conversations on media and society in Kenya and on, and on the African continent. My name is Christine Mungai, curator of Baraza Media Lab. Today, I'm really excited to have Alkags as my guest. Alkags is a marketing and communications expert, serial entrepreneur, and champion of government openness through data. Welcome, Al. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Yes. Um, today we are here to talk about um, podcasts, audio, and the opportunities that um, that space offers creatives here in Kenya. Um, just some background on Baraza Media Lab. Uh, we are a space that supports um, <clears throat> the Kenyan media ecosystem. And we launched in December of 2019. Uh, we started operations proper in January 2020. Um, but one of the first things that emerged really early um, in January and Feb was when we asked people what, what medium they, their work finds expression in. Um, I would say a third, close to a third, said podcast or digital audio, which is um, a level that I really was not anticipating. It was much higher than I thought it would be. Um, and every second or third walk-in that we would have would have someone asking us, is there a space where I can record a podcast? Is there, do you support podcasters? Um, and so very quickly we realized, look, this is an untapped need that needs to be addressed in the community. That podcast is something that is gaining traction, but people have some kind of logistical or technical block about it, right? Which is why they kept on coming to ask us about it. So Al, I want you to just um, give us like a high level understanding of what that space looks like right now. Um, and then we'll talk about Semabox, uh, which is where we are recording this this podcast right now. Oh. So you know, so you know when you think about uh, <clears throat> media in general, um, I think we've had conversations about how the fact of the matter is media has changed, and it is changing so much that even those of us who considered ourselves cutting edge just a few years ago, we was we were the new bloggers uh, of. Of, uh, of Nairobi, and we were um, in, we, we used to have words like blogosphere. We are already obsolete. We are already- Yeah, people don't talk know. about blogosphere anymore. Um, I'm a big fan of things like radio plays. So I used to listen to the BBC radio plays like all the time. Three, four days ago, I realized that I haven't listened to radio for about four or five years. Wow. I haven't sat down to listen to a radio show since Kalai Motoko left um, Kiss, Kiss 100. So like that's ages ago. And there was a time when um, Capital FM, for example, here in Europe in Kiss 100, these were the radio stations and they were the definers of what the future holds for, for the world. Right. Now, things have changed so much that um, I asked on Twitter um, a few days ago whether anybody looks at the ads that are on the websites of newspaper, um, you know, like the nation website and the standard website. I asked them, you know, how many of you actually look at those ads? And nobody sees them. But yet that has been the business model. The business model has been that we put content out and then we advertise on the website so that people can see them. It's actually the same content that's on the newspaper, right. just kind of pasted on the website. Exactly. And 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 uh, they posted uh, they put that content of the newspaper on the website, and then they put ads so that they can monetize this content. And yet, people don't look at them. 
So if people don't look at them, 70-80% of the people don't look at them, then that tells you something. Then I ask people, so on YouTube, um, you play a video and an ad comes. How many of you actually watch this ad? And usually people are just literally just waiting, waiting to skip the for ad. The, for the that's skip me. The ad that's me. I always skip that. Right. So yeah. that's like you and everybody else. Now, that, you know, when, when the Kale Motokos and, and some of these YouTubers came into the scene a couple of years ago, we thought now that is the future of media. But again, it isn't because of the fact that things are moving really fast. Right. Suddenly, if you talk to uh, the average 20-something-year-old, they're telling you that Facebook is for old guys. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, Twitter is for professional stuff. And LinkedIn is for professional stuff when you've made it a little bit. And then where they really get their content from is on TikTok. And on Instagram. And on Instagram. Right. Which means it's become a lot more bite-sized. It's become a lot more to the point. Um, and if you do not catch my attention within two seconds, I have moved on. I have swiped you and moved to the next thing. Right. Now, if that is the case, then where are people getting deeper content? People are getting deeper content on the move where they do not have a screen, right? So suddenly, radio shows and newspapers and whatnot are very quickly becoming obsolete. Paper books are going to be premium. They're going to be for the elite um, in the next 10 years, in my view. Um, so where people are going to be consuming books is on audiobooks, audiobooks. while they're moving. Right. It's while I'm walking from one meeting to another that I listen, while I'm driving from one meeting or one place to another that I listen, and suddenly you find that all of the radio um, equipment in cars is has to be linked to your phone so that then I can be able to cast whatever it is that I'm currently listening to. That's definitely my experience. I listen to podcasts whenever I'm in a situation that I need my eyes to be doing something. So I'm driving, I'm cooking or something like that. But I still want something to like, I still want to be listening to something, right? right? Um, so COVID pro presents an interesting kind of problem. Um, for me, I listen to a lot of my podcasts, like you're saying, on the move in traffic and all that. But with COVID-19, we weren't moving much, right? Yes. So that kind of threw a whole spanner in the works of like, I find that I haven't listened to a podcast in a while because I haven't driven in a while. Yes. I haven't been in traffic at all in yes. the past four months, right? So this is like, my point is that it's a very dynamic situation that we are in and media always kind of responds to those kind of dynamics. So I want to hear from you. How do you see that playing out um, in the present and also in the near future? You know, I, I take the view that I think that COVID has been an accelerator on one side, um, where podcasting especially and content creation in general is concerned. Right. Just think about it. Suddenly, I've always wanted to express my, myself in some way, and now I have a hell of a lot of time. Right. So what I do is I start a podcast. So you will actually see that the number of people who are actually um, fulfilling themselves by starting a podcast or by starting some kind of um, activity, yeah. that's now new. That's now the new um, big thing. Um, but now there's additional pressure because 
there are so many new podcasts. There's so, there's so much choice in podcasts that suddenly we have to start thinking about our podcasting. We have to start thinking about the production of the podcast in a little bit more... Uh, we have to be more thorough in terms of how we think about the podcasts. In the sense that we can't just have a podcast where we're droning on and on and on and on with no breaks, with no whatever. We almost have to radialize podcasts mm. so that, that people can can sort of have a, a richer experience, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. And that's the new, that's the future that we're coming across. So I think that COVID has had that impact of accelerating. Um, how people are going to be consuming uh, information. I have discovered, I think, a lot of new um, uh, YouTubers right. um, during COVID period because um, much to the chagrin of my wife, as I am washing dishes, I have to have something on the windowsill in front of the sink, um, which I'm watching, right? Wow. Or at least kind of, not necessarily watching, watching, but I'm kind of, engaging with right um so the youtubers like flaco that have come up with entertaining sort of things have become much more useful right the youtubers the new ones like abel mature have become oh, a lot, right with his stories have become a lot more um interesting for the simple reason that now i'm listening to a story as i'm doing my thing right um and it is because and and it is less and less content that is professional that people are uh, spending all of their time on and a lot more whatever it is that stimulates me um, is what people then you're finding that um, are engaging then if you just look at the numbers you see somebody like Abomoto with just stories of life life interest sort of things coming from zero to a hundred thousand subscribers in Six weeks. Yeah, matter of weeks. Just right. a few weeks. Literally six weeks. He's yeah. gone to a hundred thousand subscribers. That tells you something. It tells you something when you start to see um, YouTubers like Polly Washira hitting millions um, of views within a matter of weeks, um, for the simple reason that at this time, who's watching television? Television requires me to go to the living room and sit down, choose the channel, and and, and focus and wait for the. Program right. to come and on. then wait for, for, for if they have an ad, I have to wait for the ad to be finished. I can't skip ads on TV. Things are significantly changing. Right. And I think the podcasting market is one of the centers of that change. Um, because there's going to be a lot more podcasters um, coming into the market. Right. Because suddenly you don't need a CAK license for you, you know, <laughs> for you to broadcast. Right. You can now talk to the world and tell them your nonsense, so yes. to speak. Yes. Um, you can now, whatever you, I mean, one of my favorite uh, podcast genres is poetry, spoken word, where somebody has just started a podcast in which every two days they release a new spoken word piece. And then they grew and grew and then they started um, bringing other uh, spoken word artist onto their podcast and all that you need to do is just come into your just perform so right. suddenly I'm as a spoken word enthusiast I'm enjoying my my genre while on the move while I'm working while I'm cleaning while I'm doing my thing um, which is the world that we are sort of coming into um, and the possibilities are increasingly endless mm-hmm. Now, the challenge where podcast is concerned, and we, this is why I think we decided to 
to set up Sermonbox is this. The quality of podcasting um, is sort of flattening over time. The podcasts are becoming one podcast and the next are becoming they're, they're Almost kind of, indistinguishable. They're, 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 they're becoming indistinguishable. The voices are droning. It's becoming the same kind of thing. And and in some situations, you find that most of the podcasts have this uh, format, which is pretty much banter, right? Yes. The banter format, yes. right? And the challenge of it now is that we have to innovate the quality of our podcast. Now, innovating the quality of our podcast starts with the quality of the sound itself. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have not so great sound. So, and, and you know, sound is something that people don't think about. Until it's bad. Until it's really bad. Huh? Yeah. Um, in fact, people don't think about how subliminally um, anything that you're listening to, if the sound is not crisp, is not completely clear, what happens is that you begin to switch it off. Your mind begins to yes, wander. Your mind begins to say, ah, you know, this is not, I'm not quite enjoying the sound. But when the sound is good, it's broadcast quality, what happens is that people now want to engage. Mm. Then the next um, stage after you have figured out the quality of the sound, which is in the equipment that you use and so on, and in how you use that equipment, then you have to think about the performance. Because every time you're talking to people, you're performing. Right. Right. Every time you're talking to people. So some people are introverts who want to do a podcast. And so they end up having this. I am welcome to my podcast and I am here to talk to you about um, aeronautical space engineering. And um, you see the, the rockets are like this and like that. And so because of the fact that the sound is so low, it's the same and so on. What happens is that people don't quite engage because on normal occasions, we engage with the guys who, even when you hang out with a person, you know, in real life, when you hang out with a person, you hang out more with the people who are animated, who have voice, who want to tell you stuff, who perform how they tell you a story. You're more likely to enjoy the story of the person who tells you, hey, let, let me, me tell you, you some tea. Yeah. You know that yeah. sort of person. Yeah. But a lot of the podcasters are, you know, you organize yourself, you sit properly, and then you say, hi, welcome to my podcast. My name is Alpax. And so on. So there's... The next level of thinking about is the it performance. Is, is the performance of it. Right. And then after the performance is the content. You know, I think I would put I would put the content and the structure even before performance. Because um I think performance is something that is kind of embedded or integrated in the structure of the podcast. So for example, if you're having a true crime narrative podcast. Right. It requires a kind of performance just because that's the genre, right? Because that's the format. And for me, I think um, Semabox comes in to uh, assist people with the first part of it, which is the audio quality. So for those who um, may not have gotten our amazing announcement. Yeah, so I, uh, <laughs> you should make an announcement. Yes, Al, please. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so we, um, Studio Tisa is um, a music uh, company that was um, established by Dana Seda. The, you know, we all know him as the Crown Prince of Benga, the popular musician in Kenya. And together with um, Baraza Media Lab, we have um, sort of come together to establish Semobox. 
which is essentially a recording studio. As you can see, for those of you who are seeing it on video, um, where you will be able to do a podcast audio, and you will also be able to do a video of your podcast as you go, so that you can be able to engage with people on sort of both audio and visual um, levels. Um, and the exciting part for, the exciting motivation for us was very simple, that the quality of sound, quality of podcast has to get better. So between Baraza Media Lab, whose main responsibility, if I can paraphrase, is to make sure that all of us who are in the media space get better at doing whatever it is that we express. Um, when you bring those together and you bring um, the quality of sound that Studio Tisa brings, then one of the things that we're hoping as an outcome is that we get some very high quality podcasts. Right. So we're hoping that, um, you know, podcasters will come, they'll record um, their podcasts here. Um, and as they're here, they're going to start experiencing new networks because of the fact that um, Baraza Media Lab brings different genres of people together. Um, number two, they're going to start to get training and new knowledge about how to do their podcast better, how to perform better, how to structure their content better and so on, how to bring different um, kinds of media together so that it enriches their podcasts. Um, and we're doing that for very low, low price so that um, it allows for as many people to get into the space as possible. Because the truth of the matter is radio is obsolete. I'm sorry, radio people, but radio is obsolete. TV is getting obsolete. Now, where people are is that they need content that is going to be powerful, but that is going to reach them wherever they are. Right. And that's what Semabox is going to be for. Right. So Semabox is a basically a plug-and-play facility, which means that you just need to come with your idea or your content. If you're ready to record, you record, and you really don't have to think about the technical aspect of the quality because we have great equipment here and we have an audio engineer on site. So people don't really have to overthink exactly. about the quality. You can spend your energy thinking about the content, the structure and the performance of it, right? So literally just bring yourself and your content and you'll find everything else has been done for you, right. um, which makes things a lot easier because I mean, some of us have wanted to start podcasts in a long time, but you know, you think about it, the cost of a mic, some of these mics are really expensive. If you go on Amazon and you look at a full kit, um, the mixer and whatnot, you're finding that yourself, you're, yourself having to spend at least 30,000 shillings on average um, to be able to have a podcast, just the podcast equipment. You haven't yet thought about editing equipment. You haven't yet thought about the computer in which you're going to be editing right. and the skill that you have to have, have. Mm -hmm. um, to be able to edit. Um, so there's a lot of hurdles that Semvox has already killed for people. So if today somebody woke up in the morning and said, what I really want to do is I want to start a podcast, all they have to do is to go on to semvox.barazalab.com, make a booking, this is the hour and the day that I want to come, prepare their content and come, and they will find a sound engineer here who will be ready with, uh, you know, to just set them up and they can go. Um, that's a really powerful thing. And that's just the beginning. Right. Because of the fact that what we have to get to a place is to accelerate the, new, the content of and the production of the new media. And 
we want to be at the, at the front of revolutionizing the, the media space, um, certainly in Kenya, but as we go, even in other countries. Right. So um, this is really exciting for me because of where we began this conversation, that lots of people came in um, asking us how we can support them with their podcast idea. Is there space to record and is there all that? But one of the other things that we want to do as Baraza Media Lab and Studio Tisa is figure out um, how to help people conceptualizing their podcast. So it's one thing for someone who already has a podcast going and they just need um, a, a space that will give them a good rate for recording and for editing. Um, but lots of people like the idea of podcasts because it seems easy enough, right? It seems like just sitting down and talking to a friend. Um, but the best podcasts really have to have a lot of production behind them in terms of like how you structure your idea. Not everything translates well into banter. Not everything translates well into like just winging it in front right. of a mic, right? right? You really have to like curate it yes. on the back end. People don't realize that content requires science. It's right. a scientific process. Right. Like it's not pure art. Right. Like at the time that I decide to say something, how I say it, how the story flows is something that I have to have preconceived and have to plan. So even those of us who have worked on radio before, um, we know that the more effortless a presenter sounds, the more work they the done. more work they have done to sort of prepare and organize and and plan out the content so that they actually know at exactly what point they are going to say which particular uh, point. And that's a big thing for um, for a lot of the podcasters to learn. And which is why I think um, doing this for us as Studio Tisa, working with um, Baraza Media Lab was a no-brainer because this is the space where you get to learn some of these things. This is a space where you can get exposed um, to those sort of things. Right. So at Baraza, we'll be offering fairly soon... Um, workshops and trainings where we can think about that conceptual aspect of podcasts. Right now at Semabox, we are ready to go with people who are already recording podcasts, right? But in terms of translating it from an idea, refining the idea, doing the behind the scenes work to kind of structure it and to curate it um, is something that we will we'll be doing in stages as we go along. Um, I just thought it was important to clarify that. Right. Um, so one of the things that I find really interesting um, about the way podcasts are being done these days, just to take it back to when we were talking about ads, um, is that some podcasts do have ads. Yes. And with a podcast, you really can't forward the ad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, but, but it's coming. Right. I feel like it's coming. Mm. I feel like um, at some point... Um, you know, the one thing that is the quality of how people consume media, um, where we're going, I, I, I don't really like the word the future, um, but where things look like they're going is that choice is coming into the hands of the consumer a lot more. Um, and as technology evolves and as technology improves, then one of the things that's going to happen is that, well, people are going to be able to skip ads. Mm. Even if it is just with voice, I'm listening to it and then an ad starts and I say skip and it skips the ad. These things are coming because um, artificial intelligence um, is is uh, getting better over time. Right. And um, 
even in terms of, I mean, we never used to be able to skip videos, right? But now we can't. So it's just a matter of time before we will be able to even skip the, the whatever. But the, the beauty about it is that podcasts right now are, is, a, is a space that allows you to monetize um, a lot more products. Um, so it's good for business as well because of the fact that, I, you know, if I wanted to give a shout out to a business right now, like the brand of water that I'm currently drinking, if I wanted to give them a shout out on this podcast, I'm giving it a shout out within the conversation that I am having, um, which means that um, even for podcasters who want to figure out how to monetize themselves over time, what they're going to eventually have to do is to think about creative ways of putting in the brands as part of the conversation. And they're going to have to start to think about which brands actually speak to my issues so that, you know, I'm not talking about um, refreshments and then I start talking about carbatry, mm. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. I have to make sure that if my, if my content is fresh, then I'm most likely going to be talking about some kind of refreshing drink. Right. That, you know, that so it has to be it has to be quite seamless. It, it has and to be a seamless to conversation. Otherwise, there's um, mental whiplash that happens in the mind of the listener. Which is something we've experienced a lot in radio. Right. Like you can be having a conversation about something, and then suddenly the radio presenter just makes a hard left turn right. to some random thing, yes. and you're like, "Wow, where did that come from? That doesn't even fit with what <laughs> we were talking about." Yes. Yeah. So those are the things. Those are the the small things that um, the new podcasters who are going to be successful are going to start to experience. And I think it's going to be a natural progression because even though you can't skip an ad on podcasts, you can actually stop listening to the podcast and listen to another one. Right. 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 So if you want the numbers, you want people to actually listen to you from end to end, um, then the one thing that you want to be able to do is to make sure that um, your content is as seamless and as interesting as possible. People will understand that you need to monetize your content and that you needed to um, call call out uh, insurance company X. Right. But so long as that insurance company came into the same um, space as whatever it is you are talking about, then it will work. Yeah. But if you started talking, if you are talking about lifestyle and you happen to talk about something that has nothing to do with lifestyle, um, then there's going to be a problem. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so. This brings me to um, a question that I think about a lot, which is um, the ethics of it all. You know, if we're taking if we're taking radio as a kind of template, um, you know, this is this is a space where radio presenters a lot of times have been really, really irresponsible with their platforms, um, just for the sake of banter or for the sake of like just um, um, ratings, right? Um, and some of the conversations are not helpful. They're not beneficial to anyone, right? And a lot of times they kind of um, circumscribe or intensify the, or, or even dehumanize the people who are already facing oppression, exclusion, and all that, just for the sake of banter, right? Um, and, you know, podcast is not a space where you can regulate it as much. Like you said, it provides this kind of, uh, freedom that people have been looking for, but also um, if we take, for example, talk radio in the U.S. as an example, talk radio is a space where, I mean, right-wing conspiracies fly left, right, and center. That is the space where, um, you know, this kind of expression of 
paranoia, nationalism, white supremacy, all those things have kind of found a home there, right? Um, so how would you see that playing out in the Kenyan context? Because, I mean, we a lot of people have have been talking about this for a long time, right? Um, but the radio stations a lot of times really don't care. They're like, well, this is, I mean, we have, and the format is like very standard in Kenya. There's the presenter and then there's like the presenter's foil, who is a person who is misogynistic, right. who is racist, right. who is, you know, ridiculous yes. in that way, but harmful, right? And so a lot of times they present this ridiculousness as a shield, but the harm is being done because of their espousing these positions which actually harm people. Well, you know the thing about it is, media is going to be so democratic that it is going to force content producers to find their space. Unfortunately, that is going to be the worst thing, the worst thing about media, because you won't be able to regulate it. Um, the reason why on US talk radio you're finding so many of these racist guys finding a home in radio and television is because of the fact that they have viewers and they are expressing the inert um, perspectives of people. The silver lining that I see is that they, you know, the, the popularity of some of these misogynistic, racist, um, shows, as it declines, means that um, the perspective of people is changing. Because eventually people, you know, you don't listen to stuff that you don't like. Um, you don't listen to stuff that annoys you. So over time, what you do is that you, you know, the numbers go down um, and the numbers of the guys that you like to listen to go up. Unfortunately, bad press also sells. Um, so this is a, a space that a lot of people are struggling with right now in terms of um, do we regulate by uh, switching off the uh, bandwidth or the um, airwaves of those people that we don't like what they say, or do we allow them to say and hope that um, right-thinking people will walk away from that noise? But sometimes right-thinking people go and listen to them so that they can be angry um, about what it is that they're saying therefore giving these guys the numbers, therefore um, providing them revenues, and therefore keeping them going. Um, so it's complicated. It's the reason why um, the, the whole idea of um, truth and lies in the U.S. has become so fluid, where you have nationalist, uh, nationalistic people coming in, lying on live TV, and getting a lot of views, um, even though they're saying the wrong things or they're lying about whatever it is that they're they are talking about. It's complex. I don't know how that is going to eventually play out. But the one thing that I do know is that the democratic, the, where the lesson for us to learn, uh, those of us that are sort of trying to observe where media is, where the lesson for us to learn is in how audiences are going to be interacting with people. Are people going to be voting with their with their ears, so to speak, as they veer away from um, objectionable content? Or are they going to be veering towards objectionable content um, in the course of um, production? Because um, I don't think governments are going to figure out for another few years how to regulate uh, uh, 
podcasts and the productions that are in the online space? So I think that um, governments, not just um, not just in the U.S. context, but also in Kenya, in a lot of African countries. I think Africans we are kind of intimately familiar with governments that lie. Right. Um, in the U.S., they seem to be very bewildered yeah. that someone in power would lie. Would lie yeah. Which kind of I'm like, why? Well, they are much at some of these things. They are much at corruption. They're not even doing it properly. <laughs> so, so for me, um, I think those governments really exploit. A weakness in the way media is structured and conceptualized um, that because they are in power the media kind of has no choice but to report what they are saying and so they kind of amplify these positions which are lies falsehoods um, but those people know that that's exactly what the media will do if I say something the media is going to come to cover me because of who I am and so they've kind of uh, tied themselves in knots um, trying to debunk lies or trying to show that, uh, for example, U.S. President Donald Trump lied about this and now they have a running tally of lies. He has lied 5,000 times in right. the past you know, year right. or whatever, right? Which is kind of, it's like a, it's like a dog chasing its tail. Yes. The more he lies, the more they debunk, the right. more he lies. And it's like, it's like a spiral. It's a yes. It's a never-ending cycle, and you can never break free of that. They make it more popular because they're talking about it. Exactly, which is, which brings me to um, the idea of a boycott, right? right? So we are in a space where, in the past couple of months, we've seen a lot of, um, you know, demonstrations and protests, and you know, people coming together to say that look, living in a racist society is something we are not willing to accept anymore. And racism is no longer um, kind of an interpersonal idea that you can brush off by saying, look, I have black friends or yes. whatever. But we are talking about something that's very systemic. And in this new space, when you're talking about people voting with their feet or voting with their ears, like um, checking out from conversations that they don't want to be a part of, um, how does that square with this idea of media freedom? Because for me, the freedom is freedom can never be an excuse to engage in hate speech, for example, right? But in some ways, it's like that thing is sacrosanct. And so the only way to express your displeasure is by checking out. It's like, like for example, with what happened with R. Kelly. Yeah. So R. Kelly for years and years and years had been known to be, you know, sexual predator basically yes. right um but when people started saying cancel r kelly like if you think that r kelly has gotten away with this even if you don't have faith or confidence in the justice system you know you can't really influence that part of it at least you can just turn off the music right don't don't listen to r kelly you know boycott yes. r kelly so how do you see that playing out um you know in tension with the idea that being um, being uh, this is a, a also a country where a lot of people have their freedom of expression curtailed curtailed um, by regulatory bodies who overstep their mandate. For example, like our like our friend Ezekiel. Our our, our friend. Well, yeah. let's let's look at it this way. Um, one, um, I don't know because this is that this is a completely new environment. And I think that any 
scholar or media personality who comes and says that I know how things are going to play out is lying. I don't think anybody knows at this point because it's it's in transition and it's transitioning so fast that um, most of us, by the time we think we've gotten a handle of something, it has changed. So we are in that place where it was like um, the 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 few years between the industri- the agrarian revolution and the industrial one where there was a lot of mess. There was, you know, there were people trying many different things and that's where we are now, where we are, we were just coming from the information age and we're coming to another augmented age that we don't quite understand. Um, however, even having said that, I know that the laws are going to have something to do with it because the laws of do no harm um, currently exist. Um, if somebody slanders you on a podcast, it's a public space. And for as long as I can prove in Kenya, for as long as I can prove that this podcast is owned by so-and-so, I can be able to sue them for, for libel or slander or whatever it is. That Those um, sort of mechanisms are there. The ones that we don't have are the, this, I don't want to call them pseudo-racists, you know, the, the pseudo-tribalists, the ones who make veiled um, statements that are misogynistic or that uh, you which, know, which I'm, are I'm normalized by our society. Exactly. Anyway. Which I'm not saying. Uh, I'm on radio right now, and I'm saying, you know, beat your wife. But I'm not saying beat your wife. I'm saying, you know, sometimes you have to put your woman in check. You know, so there are ways. And then we laugh about. And then we laugh about it, so we we move on, or right. it is. So we normalize some of these things. Yes. Um, without realizing the harm that that is being done. Now, that is the one that you'll find that um, would be regulated by the audience. Mm. that's the part of it that will be regulated by the audience because the law will not have any space in that. But it's kind of the same thing as I walked into a party where objectionable things started happening within that party and I said, you know, let me go home home now because uh, this is not for me. So that bit um, is one that we have to think about. Now, the one thing that is the the biggest challenge that that is reducing our ability to um, strengthen that is the fact that the good people, the ones who are not racist, not misogynistic, not, you know, they... they or at least in, trying to be better. Or, or at least trying to be better in whichever respect, are not as loud as the guys who are doing the wrong thing. They are not trying as hard to reach as many audiences as possible than the ones who are doing the wrong thing. So think about it. We have a lot of social organizations in Africa, for example, but they are really bad at communications. Mm. They don't, you look at businesses um, like our telcos, for example, they put out massive ads, then they push communication and they make sure that we we buy whatever it is that they're selling. But nonprofits, on the other hand, don't put out communication, right? They don't hire an agency to go and do advertising for them. In fact, when you look at their, their budgets, you find that communication is usually 10, 15%. And that's geared towards them writing a report that normally is put the, uh, yeah. at the end of the year, which is then put in, in a shelf and it's forgotten about. It's sent to a couple of their partners and they forget about it. Many of them um, who are doing the right thing um, end up just spending a lot of time in small events with 50, 100 people. Meanwhile, the guys who are like Hannity in the US, um, they, they use the national television. They try and find the space in you know, um, on YouTube and make the most outrageous 
um, commentary to bring as many people as they can. And the more people who come and click through, the more they do this thing. So it's a question for the good guys to also now take up spaces like Box, where they can come and actually record really interesting content that begin to normalize us in a different direction. Yes. I like that idea, normalizing us in a different direction. Yeah. Um, it's not to create this binary between like good people and bad people, because I think we, we exist in an unjust society. And so no one is exempt from that injustice, from being complicit in it, from being from participating in it in one way or another. Yes. Um, but it's just a question of um, being aware of it. And, you know, as people say on social media, when you know better, do better. Right. Right. Um, so we're coming to the end of our conversation. Kags, I'm so happy that you made the time to be here. Oh, oh thank you so much um, for having me. This is I'm good. really <laughs> this thing, right? It's good. This is going to be um, a regular series. We hope um, here at Baraza, um, Baraza Sessions, where we have these conversations about media and society. Um, so, Kags, if you can give us your parting shot or your final comments right. about, um, you know, where you see this going, um, maybe what you think are kind of red flags that we should watch out for, and... Um, you could end with a shout out to your favorite Kenyan podcast. Ooh. No, I'm not going to call out. I'm not going to shout out anyone because I, I, I'm enjoying a lot of podcasts right now. Because, because <laughs> you want to keep your friends. I, exactly. <laughs> a lot of them are, are, are um, my friends. And so I don't, wanna, I don't want somebody to ask me, so why did you endorse so and so and not me? But you know the thing that I, red flag, um, I think the red flag right now is in uniformity. The thing that worries me the most um, about people in, um, YouTube, on YouTube, um, on um, TikTok, on Instagram, and now in the podcasting space is uniformity. I saw my friend Dan do this, and therefore my podcast is going to be the same, right? Um, I saw, oh, I saw... Amani Maranga's podcast is doing really, really well. So even my podcast, because I'm a man, I'm also going to talk about kind of the same things that he is talking about. You know, those sort of things. So You, you see the same thing even on YouTube with yes. the vlogs? Like there are about 10 vloggers who do the same kind of thing. Right. So, for example, or there's more. already a, a stereotype yeah. that um, if you're a, blog, uh, uh, a vlogger who's of a certain age, um, and you're female, you're most likely talking about style, makeup, blah, 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 um, sort of thing, which then provides a stereotype that, oh, you know, young girls can't talk about anything other than makeup, right? It, it provides us with a box in which to place young, young ladies of their, in their 20s, that they can't, or don't talk to them about politics, because they can't talk about politics, or don't talk to them about uh, economy. They can't talk about the economy because they can't think about the economy. Because look, there are no um, vloggers and who then, and ever then, talk about the economy. Then you have examples. Right? Look, so it's, yeah, you know, and the, yeah, just look. This one is doing makeup. You see, this other one is doing makeup. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and look at the young men. Not, not to say that there's anything wrong with talking about makeup. Absolutely not. It's just the, stere it's it's the, the stereotype. Right. So it, for me, a big red flag is uniformity. Um, because uniformity goes to normalize stereotypes. Uniformity goes to 
strengthen people's belief about how the direction in which um, people are. And, and so we, we begin to think a certain way about people. I think that's the biggest red flag that I would have. And so I'm calling on all podcasters, find your uniqueness, find what's, your voice. I, I cut you off before you said, what, what's the stereotype for young men, for example? In, oh, you know the stereotype for, for young men is party. Right. Um, oh, sports, yeah. Banter. You know, it's, it's sports and banter and... and um, Comedy what, also, and, trying and, to be and, funny. And trying to be funny. And, um, and in that um, lies all these things that we were talking about in terms of things like misogyny and so on and so forth, yeah. right? Um, because of the fact that there's only so much banter you can do. And, oh, you know, young people, young men can't talk about business like us was as we used to talk about business uh, during our Nyamachoma things back in 1944 sort of thing. It's the thing that we have to do now. Yeah. We have to get a lot better with um, structuring our content and with making sure that whatever my voice is, it's going to be unique, it's going to be different, it's going to be... Um, like now, because Abel Mutua has come with the storytelling, I am 100% like sure. sure in the next three months, there's going to be two other fellows who are going to come in to tell us stories. Now, the problem is at least one of them is not going to be as telling us as interesting stories, as nearly as interesting stories as Abel is. Yeah. You see, that is the challenge right. um, because of authenticity and so on. It is important that we find our authentic voice. Um, and especially for the guys who are going to be starting to do podcasting, it's important that they all find an what authentic What makes them voice. authentic? What's, what's, what is it that they care about? So that that actually comes out and becomes the thing that everybody knows them for. And that's what's going to drive their numbers also. So you've had it from Al Kags himself. Um, as you think about coming to Semabox, as you make your bookings, think about what makes you you what makes you authentic what is the thing that you actually know about and you can speak to um and not just necessarily um you know replicating what you imagine works or what the audiences want to hear but your voice matters like our modern day prophet lupita nyongo told us your dreams are valid and for me i took that to believe that your perspective matters your experience matters your voice matters what you care about matters um, so don't feel the need to kind of fit yourself in the boxes that Kags is talking about. But come here with your unique perspective. And we at Baraza, Media Lab, Studio Tisa and Semabox will help you nurture it and, you know, bring it to the world. So thank you so much um, for listening to Baraza Sessions. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Um, share this podcast episode with someone you think would be happy to hear um, to hear it. And we will be back with episode two um, and with another friend to talk to very soon. So, Asante Nisa.